From Potomac Fund Management, this is the Conquer Risk Podcast. Join us as we discuss the business of running an RIA firm and the practice of investment management. And now, our hosts. Welcome to today's Conquer Risk Podcast. Uh, I'm, I'm excited uh, for a couple of reasons. Uh, one is we have a new, well, not necessarily new. Jen's been on some of our podcasts before, but not just her and I. So, so I have Jennifer Barton. Uh, she is in charge of advisor experience, and she's been heading operations for, gosh, many years. Uh, Jen, when did you start with Potomac? I started in 2007. Wow. Okay, cool. Yeah. See? Uh, there's a reason you're smarter than I am. <laughs> anyway, hey, uh, here's what we're going to talk about. This is the second thing I'm excited about is um, in our February Hot Takes podcast, we touched just briefly. One of the little bullets was about donor advised funds. And that's something that most, uh, to be frank, most advisors, I don't think have any or very little experience with that situation. And so while we touched on it there, we also said, you know what, we realized pretty quickly, this is this is worthy content of a full podcast. So we can dig in a little bit deeper. Because again, anytime that we can help advisors become more educated, more experienced about a particular topic, then when that opportunity arises with a, a, a client, then boom, you know, you're ready to help them out. So that's kind of where we're set uh, and what we're going to talk about today, donor advised funds. Yep, super exciting. <laughs> so anyway, I think it would be worthwhile to uh, do just a quick flashback to what we talked about and, and what kind of set us up or teed us up from the other week. Right. Um, essentially, what the the uh, there was a report that came out, Fidelity and Schwab, uh, both. I won't go into quite as many details as the other one, but in a nutshell, last year both saw thirty plus percent increase in charitable donations with their donor advised fund uh, opportunities that they each have. Now, you know, look, you may say, okay, well, up thirty percent, big deal. Look, that, that we're talking about over. 10 bill, well over $10 billion in donations through those services. So if we can make, or if there is an opportunity to help advisors, not only direct traffic there, but put their clients in a better tax situation, as well as maybe even be compensated, seems like a pretty good gig. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I had never heard of it until we had an advisor ask us to research it. And just knowing that it was such a big opportunity out there and the fact that it grew you know last year even in the midst of this pandemic is is interesting to me as well yeah um you know it's kind of funny we were all talking about it because we had an advisor ask us and and i was only the only one that really had much experience with it um so i said sure let's let's try and, and take a look and and you and i worked together a bit to, to say hey okay what's what's really out there so we both started doing a little bit of research um what i mean what did you find um in regards to um donor advised fund options for us, for Potomac and, and our union advisors? So the first thing I did was I reached out to our relationship manager at TD and I said, where do, where do I go from here? And he gave me the name of a company. It's called the American Endowment Foundation. Um, their website is aefonline.org. Um, and I thought it was going to be a lot of red tape and super hard with the account opening and logistics. I reached out to the American Endowment Foundation and, and thinking that, okay, somebody's going to get back to me in a week, but they were super responsive. They set up a call that week um, and it, it, 
anytime somebody's super responsive these days, it, it feels like a win to me. Um, so right off the bat, I had a good impression of them. They have been around since 1993. They have 4.4 billion in, in um, advised funds. So it's, it's something that has been going on for all this time. And I just never came across my desk, I guess. But they were very knowledgeable, very helpful, and TD recommended them. Well, cool. That's a, that's one of the things that's important, right? Is that first off referrals, whether it be a, a client or or a business entity. Um, but I, I I would agree with you a hundred percent in that I spoke with someone completely different. Uh, but when I came, you know, we, we were both making some phone calls, and and then we wanted to meet, kind of meet in the middle and see what our response was. And and this was very clearly a decent option. I had the same sort of scenario in that I called and had someone who not only was completely educated, but it was almost like they knew every question I was going to ask before I asked it. So the answers were not contrived. It was just, hey, they know their stuff. Um, and for the record, I know, Jen, you can't see me right now, but uh, in case anybody's flipping out, I did just change glasses. Uh, so, you know, the camera's not playing funny games. Uh, I realized <laughs> that I was staring through. I was fishing this morning with some, uh, it was misty outside. And I had junk all over. I didn't even realize I had so much on my glasses until I started staring at the, at the <laughs> camera for a little while. I'm like, wait a minute. Um, all right. So as we move on, uh, let's talk a little bit about, since you're here, which is awesome, let's talk about some of the operational scenarios, right? You're in charge of operations, so that was part of the reason that you needed to be part of this. Um, tell me about, I mean, is like the account opening process the same for uh, donor advised funds with, with AEF? It's a little. Is it a regular investment account? It's a little different because you have this outside organization involved. So the process is that the advisor meets with the client and they fill out the AEF application. Um, and that's all through DocuSign, which is lovely, especially in these times. And so once that account is established with AEF, then they work with us to establish the TD account, the account at TD. And just full disclosure, the only custodian I researched it at is um, TD, but I, I do know that they also have a relationship with uh, Pershing, Schwab, and Fidelity, according to their website. So everything I'm going to say is going to be the TD process, but they are actually the client on the account at TD. They... In that um, paperwork, initial paperwork process, part of that is a move money authorization form, and that links the their account to the TD for money movement, which is a big part of this. So the client will have two accounts. Um, they will have the TD account that can be managed in any way we see fit or the advisor sees fit with any of our strategies, any of our UMA strategies. Uh, fees can be deducted as normal. And then they have a liquidity account that is held at uh, American Endowment Foundation's PNC bank account. They require 1% to be in there at all times for fees. Um, they do take their own fees from that account, and they also use that for reserves for the, the contributions. Okay, cool. So uh, in regards to you know, let's say advisors fees, right? Part of this gig is that it's kind of cool because advisors can be compensated for, for obviously you're providing a value, you're providing a, an opportunity here that is better than cutting a check. So, so how does that work? I mean, what's the billing like for the investment account when, when you do that? The billing, the billing piece is standard to any of our accounts. The advisor can choose what they want to charge, you know, up until our, our 1.5%. 
Um, then it would have the strategy fee and the platform fee, just those three sections normal to any account, the advisor would get paid monthly. Um, Mm-hmm. So that's the, a big purpose of the liquidity account that they require the 1% in. They take their fees directly from that. Um, and when that draws down, they'll send a request to us as the manager to create more cash. Um, and then that liquidity account also serves when you have a client, let's say John Smith, wants to make a donation to the Humane Society. And any IRS eligible um, entity is is eligible. So John Smith tells AEF that he wants to donate money to the American Humane Society, and they send it immediately without even letting us know to create the cash after that grant has been given they tell us to create the cash and send it back over to the liquidity account so there's not even a wait time for us to raise the cash and send it to their bank account it's it's immediate well that's pretty sweet because they can see both accounts they know there's money there and they know that the client can't the donor can't take it back so uh that's pretty sweet that they're that efficient to say you know boom there it is. <laughs> and and off the check goes and then create the cash after the fact. Yeah. And um, the one other, of the things I, I oh, go ahead. Sorry. The other thing about the liquidity account is that the donor can always log in to a separate portal um, provided by AEF and it's called Donor Central and they can see their investment account and the liquidity account. And they can also grant access to their advisor if they don't want to take on the burden of making these grant requests, they can give access to their advisor to to even do that for them. It's pretty funny when you think about it. You're so charitable, you want to give money away, but you also don't want to be bothered with saying, right. please just give the Humane Society <laughs> some money. Exactly. Uh, but, you know, hey, to each his own, up, right? I mean, it, sure. it, it may be something that they, and this is where there's an opportunity for a niche, right? One of the things that we, that we always want to do is try and find opportunities to help advisors grow and and become wiser or find a niche and and this is really one of them and and what i mean by that is the in this example right why the client wants to assign it to the advisor the client if you're doing your marketing and so forth the client thinks that you're doing these for other people as well maybe you only have one but maybe you have multiple and so you're going to be more efficient about doing things like hey 
going out and, and making sure that grant goes like it's supposed to. Whereas for them, they may only do this once a year when they're ready to do the grant and they're going to forget how to do it. And, and so that, I mean, we chuckle about why, why they would want to assign it to the advisor as a responsibility, but that's really it. That they're, they're looking to you as that, that's just one more value add. Sure. Um, sure. And I, I think this is, this is clear from some of the reports that I looked at is, Part of the reason I think this is important, right? Part of the reason I'm excited about this is that the higher up the net worth scale you go, the more charitable donations occur. And also the size of those increases pretty dramatically. And so, you know, look, we all, as advisors, right, we all hope to, to have some, some sizable clients. Talk about an easy thing to focus on, do a little bit of marketing to, and, and you know, even word of mouth, right? When you make something like this simple for a high net worth client, uh, or even a, you know, a, a, what we'll call a normal client or average client, that, that's something they're going to talk about because everybody knows how to write a check. Well, except for Manish. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no checks there. That's 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 by choice. Uh, everybody knows how to do a check and give that check to a charitable organization. But when you have things like uh, we had a client the other day we were working on with the with our advisor who has a lot of Apple stock. Well, if you work for Apple and you've got all this Apple stock or Texas Instruments, and you have a whole, whole bunch of TI stock, you may want to donate the stock into this irrevocable trust. And then the liquidation can occur from there. All they're looking for is the money as the charitable organization, right? So why pay capital gains tax on this highly appreciated stock? Why not just donate it first? And then the liquidation occurs and you don't have that uh, capital gain situation. So it's a much more efficient process, especially for the higher net worth folks, uh, to be able to do, be efficient, be tax wise, and, you know, I mean, what a cool setup, right, to, to have something to talk about with uh, th those other clientele and prospects. Yeah, absolutely. And the tax piece of it, I think, is, is huge. I think that's a, a huge selling point. You know, in your use case, when somebody has that Apple stock, doesn't want to pay the taxes, they, they are able to, um, you know, grow the account tax-free. They're able to have that deduction by donating the assets. And... I'm sure a lot of this is for high net worth individuals, but something that really shocked me was that the minimum with American Endowment Foundation is only ten thousand dollars. So it's it's really anybody that is in you know wants to give. I feel like it's in that wheelhouse that they could do it. And I know this is only American Endowment Foundation, and I I've heard that a lot of other donor advised fund companies have huge minimums, like two fifty. Yeah, well, they, they, look, in my day, uh, I'm an old fart. So in my day, I've seen donor advised fund scenarios where it's, you know, 2 million, 10 million, right? I mean, you, clearly you're dealing with, with very high net worth, ultra high net worth people when you're, you're looking in that space. And, and part of the problem with the old school way of doing it was you also, the donor didn't have any control over what was, you basically, it was the donation. You make the donation and then, and then there it goes. Um, you know, what you are left with is kind of the hodgepodge of what everybody else has donated. You get this big amalgamation of stuff and that, that's what is growing to be able to make future donations with. It's just, it was a little awkward personally, personally. So I think the fact that you have some control over this is pretty cool because in the end, right? Let's say you put a hundred thousand dollars in there and you're going to donate a hundred thousand. Well, if you have opportunity 
you know, you want to do maybe 10000 a year, and so this is kind of a one-time grant, if you will, but you know it's going to, to happen over several years, well, you have the opportunity to allow that to grow, right? And again, you don't have to worry about the taxes. Whereas if you just have your own money setting aside, and that's growing, and you're donating ten grand a year from that, well, every time you're just creating more tax scenario for yourself. Exactly. So that's yep. a, yeah, it's a pretty, pretty slick, uh, pretty slick scenario. And I guess one of the other things I wanted to mention, I know you said uh, you saw on their website that Fidelity and Schwab and TDA and Pershing were all there. I've talked to them about TDA and Pershing. I'm not sure if Fidelity and Schwab actually have access to AEF or vice versa, or if they were just referenced there as, as the fact that they have uh, as part of a comparison. So definitely anybody who's listening, you have to do two things. One, you have to know what your scenario is right are you your own ria well then you have a lot of freedom uh, therefore you talk to your own custodian that you do business with and see there or better yet just call aef uh, online you can go to aefonline.org or also you know if you're a broker part of a broker dealer you'll want to make sure they i'm sure they have their own scenario and hopefully they have access to somebody great like aef so Anyway, there you go. That's that's kind of what we've got for uh, the the donor advised funds, the opportunities that are there, the reasons it's worthwhile working with an organization. Let them do all the tax administration and so forth. Uh, we just think it's a really efficient model, and they were they were top notch to work with. So, on that note, Jen, what do you got for recommendations? So my recommendation, <laughs> I put a lot of thought into this because this is my first one-on-one podcast. Um, and I, ha- I had so many Better ideas. Be good, I know, Better be good. I know. I, so I have a lot um, kind of saved up for the future. But the, the number one thing that I am going to recommend today is based on my, um, I, I don't like shopping. And if I do shop for myself for clothes, I know <laughs> it's, it's awful. I just, if I shop, if I buy stuff, clothes for myself. I don't try it on. I go home, try it on, return it. It's not very efficient. Um, and I have three daughters who are teen, preteen. So they're, they're, they're more in tune with what I'm wearing. They get embarrassed when I leave in my yoga pants and baggy hoodies. So I um, signed up with Stitch Fix and I really like it. Uh, they send you uh, five items. You pay $20 for a stylist fee which I have no style, so it's it's totally helpful on that front too. <laughs> um, so they send you five items, you try them on, it, whatever you don't like, you send back, all the shipping's free, um, and then you buy what you want. Um, so I, I'm really, look forward to, to me up in my style game here. There you go. Well, you know what, you'll just have to up your style game and, and then uh, start participating in more podcasts for us. Because That's uh, right, that's, that's right. So that's that's my theory. Instead of me buying more clothes, I'll just have you do more podcasts instead of me. <laughs> See, that, that I used way. to only buy clothes when it was conference season. <laughs> yeah, well, that's uh, Manish gave me crap for a certain particular purple shirt that I wear. So just in spite, to spite him, I went out and got a, uh, I even sent him this, <laughs> in a text the other day i sent him a picture i went out and found the, found the manufacturer because this purple shirt had a logo i found the manufacturer i went to amazon found the exact same shirt different color combination and i bought it so next time wow. me and i are a podcast you're together, dedicated uh, if i've got that shirt by then i'm gonna it was my favorite shirt <laughs> but anyway i'll save that recommendation for that particular podcast so you all know what it is um, that said, I want to make a recommendation, and that is actually, interestingly enough, where I'm at right now, which is Fredericksburg, Texas. Um, this is such a cool town. We've been here several times, and most people aren't going to be aware of 
you know, like, oh, so big deal. What's Fredericksburg, Texas? It's basically in the middle of, of the hill country. Uh, some refer to it. Uh, I refer to it as wine country. Uh, that's really what it is in Texas. Look, in this area, it's about, I don't know, 60, 80 miles west of Austin, Texas. Uh, there are over 100 wineries in the area. And there are about 50 just in Fredericksburg alone. So a lot of these are very small, right? Kind of kitschy little boutique wineries. They're not trying to make mass market. They're not, you know, it's not a California or an Oregon where they're trying to, you know, make oodles and oodles of wine to ship everywhere under the sun. Um, but there are like 50 tasting rooms in the area. And we're talking about a town of, a, of about 11,000 people. So think about that for a second. Like everybody does wineries. And one of the things that also makes it cool to come here uh, for like a little long weekend or something like that is that um, there are a bazillion bed and breakfasts around here. So don't come here thinking, you know, looking on your map first and going, oh, where's the nearest Hilton? I need a, I need an Archer uh, Hotel. You know, I need, forget about it. Look, do your research, find a bed and breakfast here, uh, and then just plan on, look, there are winery tours, so you don't have to drive. There's, you know, shuttles. There's, there's all kinds of things. But uh, Great Creek, Grape Creek Winery is one of, the, one of them that I happen to like here. Uh, but the reality is, right, you just, just go and try. It's just a neat little place hometowny kind of feel like i said eleven thousand people all the buildings on main street are freaking ancient um and and one more thing admiral nimitz I, I happen to be sort of fascinated with the world war ii history scenario all of the things around that admiral nimitz was born here and so they have a little there's a little on main street this uh museum and I went into it thinking, okay, here's this little museum. This will be kind of cute and well, whatever. Oh, no, it opens up to like half a city block on the back end. Like you had no idea there was this much there. And it was super cool. So highly recommend that if you come here, make that one of your stops, especially if you have kids. It's a great history opportunity. So there you go. Fredericksburg, Texas, man. Who knew? Is little it town in the middle of uh, Texas. Is it warm enough to go to a winery <laughs> in Texas right now? <laughs> Uh, it is. I mean, look, I, I'm wearing a jacket only because I was, I just literally walked in from doing a little morning fishing before I start working. But, um, you know, in the, in the scheme of things, it's up to 50s, 60s right now. And it's, you know, by the time we get to like mid-March, uh, you know, it's, uh, we've already had 75 here. Uh, even after the cold, even after the nasty cold week, the very next week it got up to 75. So it's usually pretty nice. Um, it just happens to be a little bit of a little bit of a cold spell. So there you go. I mean, March, April, beautiful time to come here. It's not super hot. It's gorgeous. You can set out on a lot of these patios and so forth. Drink some wine. You can't get anywhere else. I mean, who, who can do any better than that? Nice. We should look at it for a conference. <laughs> you Sounds know, lovely. It's not bad because it's just a, like I said, it's an hour from Austin, and everybody can fly to Austin easy enough. So, all right. Well, on that note, we want to thank all of our subscribers viewers listeners so forth uh you know uh, uh, click the dingy bell ringy thingy uh subscribe etc right we we really have fun doing these videos and we are always up for content ideas suggestions uh we just appreciate the fact that we we are working hard to try and provide some content for our advisors and so forth and uh and we're getting some a lot of reviews and it's really starting to explode on our youtube channel and so forth so uh, jen you got any parting notes no thanks for having me all right. Thanks. We'll talk to you next time. Bye. Peace. All opinions expressed by podcast guests are solely their own 
and do not reflect the opinions of Potomac Fund Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Clients of Potomac Fund Management may maintain positions and securities discussed in this podcast.